Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody today? Praise the Lord. Uh, enjoying the little bit of the heat wave that we've got going on. Did anybody else notice that? That's kind of neat, huh? All right, praise the Lord. Well, God is good. He He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. So he's with us even through this, and it will come to pass. But thank God that the church feels great, doesn't it? With that air conditioning. Hallelujah. God has been good to us. Well, all of our youth group and a bunch of, a lot of the adults that are helping out, they're all in St. George, Utah this morning, uh, completing their trip. So I think there was around 30 people that went. It was a pretty good sized group and they're over there. They're having a wonderful time. God is speaking to those uh, teenagers and uh, they're having fun, but they're also getting closer to God. And that's our goal through all of it. You can have fun anywhere, but we really want them to uh, add the anointing of God in their lives. Amen. Who knows that, uh, man, you would have been blessed if, if you did not grow up in a youth group. Do you think that your adolescence would have been better if you had been in a godly atmosphere like that? Amen. And so we're doing the best we can to reach them at every level at HDWC. Amen. Well, we're going to speak some words of faith this morning. Can we stand up together? Praise the Lord. We declare that America is coming to Jesus. We profess and we proclaim that America is coming to Jesus. Amen. So let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. You may be seated. All right. 
Got a few announcements for you, a few reminders. Uh, I just want to keep reminding you that every Sunday morning from 9 to 9.30 in the administration building, we've got our Sunday morning Bible class going on, and they are having a, a great time. Kathy has been telling me how awesome it is over there. And so they're studying the book of John one chapter a week. It is a perfect opportunity for you to not only learn more about the Bible, but be in a small group setting where you can ask questions and and fellowship and get to know other people. So every Sunday morning for a half an hour over there. All right. Next Sunday is a very special day because we are celebrating pastor's 70th birthday. Amen. And so um, Saturday is his actual 70th birthday. And then Sunday, we're going to be canceling the Sunday night service because we're having a great big cookout right here at the church. And so uh, we've had a sign-up sheet. I think we've mainly got what we need, but if you uh, if you feel led, like, hey, I, I want to be able to give some, uh, you can sign up on the back table. There's still a few side dishes we may need, but we're going to be grilling burgers and hot dogs and, and just having a wonderful time celebrating Pastor. And so everybody be here. Don't miss next Sunday night. It's going to be a special time of celebration, and we want the whole family here, all right? And so my next thing is this. And, you know, we've been talking about this, but I'm trying to give you as much notice as possible. The HDWC t-shirt contest is officially kicking off on Friday, July 23rd. All right. Friday, July 23rd. And it will coincide with the Olympics. That's what we usually do. And so a lot of you already have your HDWC t-shirts. But if you don't have one, sign up at the bookstore. In fact, uh, I mean, you need to do that because tomorrow I am placing the order, all right? And so they're $12 a piece. You can choose from either red or black and uh, and make sure you get one because we have a good time with this. And the goal, you know, it's, it's for one to have a good time, but also it shows, it gives you a chance to show other people, hey, I love Jesus. I love my church. It gives you a, an open door to speak about the Lord in a fun way that people listen to. And, and so anyway, it's going to be starting on July 23rd. The first prize, I've already told you this, but don't fall out of your seat when I say it. There's a cash prize of $17.76, all right? $17.76. Now, if you love America, that number rings a bell, but if, you know, that may fly over some of your heads. But $17.76 plus, plus a gold medal. A gold medal. Now... Of course, it's plastic that I got from Oriental Trading Company, but still, we're going to call it a gold medal, all right? So it's going to be yours to keep, and it's going to be awesome. So um, so you can post your pictures online, and we're also this time allowing short video clips, okay? So it's going to be like 15 seconds or less, okay? Short video clips can be entered into the contest because I know a few people that already have some plans, and I'm just saying it's going to be great. So... All right, so uh, sign up if you need a T-shirt, all right? And then I want to, of course, remind you that there is service tonight, 6 o'clock. If you're sitting at home saying, man, I wish my swamp cooler got the house colder, hey, we got you covered. We've got six AC units, 42 tons of AC on this roof. Come on, somebody. So <laughs> we're pumping out that air, 42 tons of cold air. All right, so come on out at 6 o'clock tonight. Hear the word of God and be blessed. Okay. Who knows what time it is now? It is happy time. Pastor's going to come take up our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And my mom wanted me to remind you that we also have our warfare prayer tonight at five o'clock. 
Warfare Prayer at 5, service at 6. Hallelujah. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Dave. Amen. I raised you good. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many, how many love to be a part of happy time? Amen. This, this, this is, this is sowing seed for your future. Prepare for your financial success. If you need, if you need an envelope, pull up your hands. The ushers are glad and happy to serve you. And I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at a couple things here. And uh, as you're turning there, I'm going to show you this. Heather, I'm throwing one in on you. I'm going to pop the book up there. I just want to make sure I show that again. This is the book that Mrs. Pastor wrote off of my journal from 21 years ago. And talk about the times we live in. For God to be able to do what he wants to do in America. How many know that God uses people? Uh, people preach the gospel. And then when people preach the gospel, people hear faith to get saved. It takes somebody telling somebody else what God says for their salvation. Amen. Believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It takes believers being used by God to step out in faith and lay hands on people to help them get healed. And on and on and on and on. So anyway, for God to move in America, it takes more than prayer. There's other things involved, but it does start with prayer. And so this book has some really good things in it that God spoke to me about the future, which was 21 years ago, so we're living in the future now. <laughs> Amen. The future has now become the present. And the the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, but things in the Bible from 2,000 years ago we're seeing come to pass now. And uh, I think about Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. God said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both you and your children and your grandchildren may live. And so what, what Christians decide to do about America is how America is going to turn out. How many know that believers have authority that non-believers don't have? We've got authority over the devil, and they're being used by the devil. They don't even know it. But we can change things. And with that book, there has a lot of good things, and I really recommend if you haven't got it to buy it. And I'll say this again, Mrs. Pastor and I aren't the book publishing preachers that want to sell books because that's how we make our living. This is just something Mrs. Pastor wanted to do because she thought it was good enough that people need to read it. And so I believe it will help you. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to look at verse 7. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. At this passage here, Paul talks about the fact that uh, that we're, we're, we're a spirit being and we have a soul, we live in a body. And he talks in this passage here about what it is when we leave our body, we get to be of Jesus. And so I said that to say this. This is a 70-year-old body, but a 41-and-a-half-year-old man lives in it. <laughs> 41 and a half years ago, I become born again, a new creature in Christ. And so this part on the outside may be 70, but the one on the inside is only 41 and a half years old. That's when my official history with God began. That's when the record book started for my life because the first part of my life for 28 and a half years is under the blood of Jesus as if it didn't exist in God's eyes. And so, you know, I just want to encourage you, whatever age you are, just recognize how old you are in the Lord, and that's what counts. And don't let your body control your life. You control your body. And then your body will carry you as far as you need to go, but you take authority over things. Amen. And so it talked about tithes and offerings. 
Verse 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. I like to say it this way. I live by the word, not by my senses. I live by what the word of God tells me is mine, not by what circumstances people or the devil tries to tell me is mine. And so the time we live in right now after the COVID last year and all the things going on in the country right now, all the uncertainty, you know, we just don't know how money's going to turn out in the country because of all the different things going on, inflation, stagnation, whatever kind of words they want to put on it. The kingdom of God doesn't change. The kingdom of God's within you and it changes things. And I always like to say it this way with this verse right here. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. So he said, we walk by faith, not by sight. And so if you're a person, a believer, that pays tithes to Jesus, and Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8 says, men on earth, preachers receive tithes for God, but in heaven, Jesus receives them. And so Jesus receives your tithe. And because Jesus is what receives your tithe, then what you ought to be saying right now concerning your finances, whether your finances are good or whether they're not good, whether your future income is up in the air, you don't know how some kind of a deal is going to turn out for your company, you don't know how long this, how long that, and all the all, all the different doomsayers talk about Social Security for people that are on that, that, well, Social Security is only going to ask, last for this many more years. That's as far as it's going to go. Well, I don't deny some of these facts people are looking at, but I do deny the right to affect my life because I'm in a covenant with God. And I'm a tither. I don't deny things. My faith changes things. I told Mrs. Pastor this morning that concerning a lot of things going on in our lives over this heat right now, when the children of Israel were in the desert for 40 years, where do we live at? In the desert. What did God do for them concerning the heat, if you know the Bible? He put a cloud over them and protected them. And so I believe for where we are in life, for our equipment and the things we have, that we believe God for it. If nobody else gets a cloud over their house, mine will. Amen. And so forbid, forbid tithing people, zip the lip. Quit putting out curses on your income. God is your source, number one. It's not Social Security. It's not your job. It's not your ability. Get the best job you can have. Work to the best of your ability. Believe God to bless you. But if the world around us dries up, when you study Israel, back when they were going through Pharaoh's territory, coming out of Egypt, it says that when bad things come through there, not one Hebrew was touched. Well, guess what? We're Abraham's seed in the spirit. And so as these things go on, are you going to walk by faith and say what the word says? Or are you going to go by sight and agree with the doom and gloom? I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to agree with God concerning my future. So as we are tithers and we make this financial faith confession, this, this is phrases in this faith confession we make that are modern talk for what's going on in the needs we have. Amen. So when we make this financial faith confession, just recognize we're not just doing something because our church does it. We're doing something because in our heart, we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth in line with the word of God, and we'll have what we say. Amen. So let's make our financial faith confession. And as we do, and we bring tithes and offerings up to God's altar. Let's just be thanking him for what he's doing. 
And another thing I want to tell you, don't focus on the bad around you. Start focusing on the good that God's doing for you. Amen. Don't get yourself in the category of the losers because in Christ, you're not a loser. You always win if you stick with the word. Amen. Let's make this financial faith confession. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give ministry to the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand if we can. Feel free to join us up front at the altar.
been faithful every step of the way, God. Even when we haven't been faithful, you have remained faithful. Just like Paul wrote in Timothy, you remain faithful for you cannot deny who you are. And God, that is who you are. You are faithful. You are a loving Father, a gracious God. And Lord, we lift your name high today. And God, we know that you're in this place. You want to speak to us, Lord. Prepare our hearts right now to receive your word. Lord, let us be a, a, a soft ground for the seed of the word of God today. Let us not have hard hearts or, or cold hearts or, or hearts of thorn, God, but hearts that are ready to receive the word of God. And we know you want to speak to us today. You want to have your way. You want to change us, Lord. You want to give us answers that we've been seeking and asking for. So we thank you that today is the day that you have made. We'll rejoice. We'll be glad in it. And we know that you're going to do what you need to do. We love you and we thank you today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we give God some praise today? Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. God has been nothing but good to me. He's done nothing but good to me and in my life. And I know you can say the same thing. He is faithful. His, he is just. His mercy endures forever. All those things that the, the, the psalmist wrote about, they are true today. And I just love to repeat God's word to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, who's excited for the word of God today? Well, praise God, we are going to have a wonderful time. Um, you know, I've been so excited to hear about the youth over there in Utah. They're just, they're studying their Bibles, they're, uh, they're taking notes, and it's just been so cool. They've been sending me pictures of what, uh, of what they're doing, and, and it's awesome because sometimes, you know, if you work with kids or you're a, you work with teens or you're a parent or a grandparent, you're like, I don't know if they're getting it. I just don't find out. I don't know if they're listening, but praise God. It's wonderful when you find out that 
they are listening. Amen. And, you know, maybe you're a grandparent or something. And and as your kids have gotten older, you know, you can look back and say, man, I'm so glad all those times that I just didn't know if they were getting it. They got it. Amen. And so I encourage us as parents, grandparents, just good Christian adults. Let's keep uh, speaking the word. Let's keep sowing those right seeds into these kids and these teenagers, because that's what Barstow needs. That's what America needs is the next generation having the word of God and being able to stand up for something in the midst of all odds. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise for our, uh, our teenagers. Hallelujah. Well, the title of the message today is this. The title is A Time to Fight. A Time to Fight. And, you know, I, I've, uh, there's a little backstory on a lot of what I'm talking about today. But, but really, I, my main thing is this, is that as a Christian and as you mature in the Lord, you know, a lot of people, they're just nonstop praying, you know, God, I need a miracle. God, I need this. God, come and do this. God, rain down the blessing over here. God, come and make a way right here. And we're often seeking God for a miracle, which is great. I mean, he's a miracle working God. Who knows that? That God does miracles. God answers prayer. But I need you to know that also that you have a role to play in the miracle. You have a part to do in getting the answer that you're looking for. And so there's two parts to every miracle. There's God's part, which he always does. And then there's your part. Somebody say, I've got a part. (laughs) So we preach and we believe that the battle is the Lord's. I believe that. That's what, in fact, the most epic fight recorded in the history of the world, I believe, is the story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. There's never been uh, just a more incredible fight recorded that we know about. And I know, you know, people watch UFC and boxing and all this stuff, and that's great. But I would have, man, think how much that pay-per-view would have gone for to see a 17-year-old runt take on a nine-and-a-half-foot-tall giant back then, and he only had some rocks. And it's like, I mean, what a fight for the ages. And what did David say as he approached him? He said some things, but he said, the battle is the Lord's. And so I firmly believe that, no doubt about it, the battle is the Lord's, but God still required David to go out and pick up some rocks and show up with his slingshot, right? David still had to at least show up and do his part, and then God did his part. Now, what I'm saying is this, is that sometimes we've been standing in the gap, we've been believing, we've been interceding, we've been doing all these things that we say we do as Christians, and we've been trusting God for the breakthrough and the miracle But you have got to know today that it's time for a fight and you have to do your part too. God's going to require something out of you. And as we look throughout all the Old Testament, we constantly see this. But even in the New Testament, you see Jesus when he was healing the sick, when he was doing miracles for people. If nothing else, he would ask them this simple question. Do you believe that I can heal you? Do you believe that I can make this happen? If nothing else, he at least made sure that they were using their faith for a miracle. Now, sometimes he had further steps. He'd say, hey, go, go wash in, you know, go wash in the river or go show yourself to the priest or go do this first. Other times he had even more specific instructions, but 
even the people that Jesus healed, he at least required some faith out of them. And here's the deal. There's a lot of people that they need a breakthrough. They need a miracle, but they are not doing anything at all. They're just waiting on God to somehow rain it down from heaven on top of them. And it doesn't work that way. God will do his part. He's got the power, but he's going to require some sort of action out of you. And James, Jesus' wonderful brother, said it this way. He said, faith without works is dead. You're going to have to add something to it. Now, does that mean we do good works to get to heaven? Stop it. That's not what that's saying. But what it is saying is that James said, you can, you can talk about your faith. I will show you my faith by my actions, by my works. And so it's one thing all day to say, I've got great faith. I've got, I'm a man of faith. I am a woman of faith. I am a daughter of faith. But it's another thing when you start to put some action to that and you say, I've got so much faith that I'm just going to go ahead and tithe even though I just don't, I don't feel like it today. I've got so much faith, I'm going to put some action to it and I'm going to love that difficult person and do something for them anyway. You're putting some action to your faith and when you add that, when you do your part and God does his part, giants fall, walls fall. Seas are parted. Incredible things happen. But you've got to do your part. Can I get an amen today? Amen. And so we're talking today about there is a time to fight. And, and you know, I guess a little bit of a backstory. okay? So bear with me. I know I'm not shouting and screaming and spitting today. I like to do that a lot of times. I'm just not going that route today. For one, I'm getting a little bit of a, I'm receiving some healing on the throat, so that's part of it. But also, I'm just, I want, I want you to listen to me today without me having to do all that. So, uh, so I had a, a, an interesting experience this week that kind of uh, brought some of this on. So, uh, for one, I've got to talk a lot of to uh, uh, Reverend Ray Bench. You guys remember Reverend Ray? He's awesome. So we've just been talking a lot this week. He's been pumping some teaching into me about some stuff. But also another thing that happened was um, my mom, uh, a week ago, she, she typed up a bunch of my dad's journal from 2005. And, uh, and 2005 was a life-changing year for the Samples family. Um, and so I won't go into detail because we have, you know, some personal family stuff. But at the same time, we had hit a really low spot as a family and, and in ministry in Indiana. And the, the well had dried up. And at one time, what had been a thriving, booming, you know, thriving, successful church in a small little redneck town in Indiana. I mean, it was booming. We, we, had, we, were, we had a TV show out of, this, out of this little town. I mean, we were broadcast all over, just a booming, thriving, successful, on-fire church. And, you know, I'm not going to go into all of it, but it dried up, okay? And so, um, and if you've ever been through something like that, where you had something that at once was thriving, and then now it's not, especially something that you've poured your heart and soul into, your blood, sweat, and tears, and everything you have, you know, it's a painful experience to go through, right? And so anyway, my, uh, my mom had typed up some of dad's journal from that time and, and gave it to me, and, and I hadn't really had time to read it. Then on Thursday, I'm in the office, and, and uh, you know, I'm just, I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and read this. And I'm like, wow, sometimes you, you don't realize what you've been through. You know what I mean? Like it, uh, at, at the time you do, but, but some of us have forgotten what God brought us through because there, you've slept since then. It's been a little while. And I don't ever want to forget what God has brought us through. 
And, um, and as, I'm, as I'm reading this journal, I mean, you know, I'll just, I'll admit it. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a man that cries very much. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with a guy that, that gets emotional and cries. We're just all different. But I, maybe I shed a tear every few years. I, I've noticed about every three to five years, I get a little misty. And <laughs> this was one of those occasions where yeah, I was just like, oh, my gosh. And so I'm crying. I'm like, the pain, I, I started to feel some of that pain again. It was painful to go through that. To, I mean, you know, we had hit just really what I feel like was rock bottom. And as Brother Hagen talks about, you know, we weren't just at the bottom of the barrel. We were underneath the barrel, and the barrel was on top of us. It was, it was rough. And so this, the, what I was reading had been recorded in the earliest months of 2005. And uh, as I read it, I, I read how my dad fought through this really bad position we were in. And, and little did we know that by the end of 2005, Katie and I, you know, we would move to Tulsa, Oklahoma and be at Rhema Bible College studying right under the Hagen ministry, which was just an awesome experience. Two years of being, uh, you know, under uh, Kenneth Hagen's ministry. It was, it was great. But then also by the end of that year, by August of that year, my parents uh, would move to a little town called Barstow, California, which none of us, had, I never even knew about it. I had no idea. And so as I was reading all this, you know, uh, I, I decided, you know, I'm going to walk over to the sanctuary. I, and I'm just looking around this magnificent place. And, you know, it may not seem like much to you, but to us it's a real big deal because we came from a pretty bad spot, you know, a while back. And as I look around here, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for what God, God did a miracle. God restored everything several times over. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, this church has 13 acres. We own, I think, four buildings. We, we have hundreds of people that are coming here, people watching on the Internet. And, and, and I look out, and none of this would have happened if we had quit, specifically my mom and dad, if they had quit when the battle got really, really difficult. Because you've always, that is always an option. It's not going to necessarily send you to hell. You do reserve the right to quit on that bad situation, on that, on that marriage, on that ministry, on that job, on that whatever it is. You, that is always one of the options that you have. Now, it could really, really, really uh, screw your future up, potentially. And not only that, if my parents had quit in 2005 and said, we're just ministries over, it ain't happening, none of this would be happening right now. You wouldn't be sitting here. I certainly wouldn't be in here right now. And so your decisions, your choice on whether you're going to fight the good fight of faith, it not only affects you as a mature adult Christian, it affects a lot of people. There is a ripple effect to everything that you do, whether you realize it or not. And so we're talking about a time to fight. There's two sides to every miracle. There's God's side, which we know he's going to deliver on, but then there's your side. I don't always know what your side is, but you have a part to play in it, all right? And so with all that being said, uh, I'll tell you this. I know what it's like to be in a bad spot, and that's what, one thing that gets me. is It's funny. It doesn't offend me, but a lot of times people look, you know, people will straight up just tell me like, Man, this must be so perfect being you and your family, Pastor Dave. You guys have had it so easy. You've had it so good. And I'm like, God has always been good, but life has not always been easy. 
<laughs> you know, we have faced extreme poverty at times. And, and you know, people are like, well, I don't, I, you just, you're, you just must be so good being you. And, and I like being me, not because I'm cool, but I just, I've learned about Jesus and I've learned to trust him. And whether anybody else loves me or not, I know that Jesus loves me. And so I love my life. And I'm not going to lie, I've got a wonderful life, and it has not a whole lot. I mean, I've done my part in the name of Jesus, but God's done his part. And I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I have learned to listen to the Lord and follow Jesus everywhere he says to go. And yes, it's paid off. I don't make the most money in Barstow. I don't have the biggest house. I don't have the fanciest cars and toys and all that, but I serve a really good God. I've got a wonderful wife. I've got a great wife. I've got wonderful kids, you know, and, and, you know, we, we, we face things like everybody does, but God's, I'm not going to lie. And God has been really good to us, but there's been fights to get there. And the devil has tried to steal our family, our ministry, my marriage, my children, my, you know, health, all sorts of things. There's been fights, but we have fought the good fight of faith and and one, time and time again, not because we're great, but because Jesus is great. And again, I don't have a lot of strength in me, but I do know this much. Just listen and do what God says to do, and then it turns out really, really good. Amen? And so there's a time to fight. Uh, so I know what it's like to be in a bad spot, but I also know what it's like to fight your way out of that bad spot, spiritually speaking. And I'm so confident in the Bible that I will guarantee victory to every single person in here that will do things God's way. Guarantee it. If you'll do things God's way, guarantee a victory every single time. Every time. No, no doubt about it. Every single time. If we'll do it his way. Amen. So let's pray. Then we're going to dig into the word of God today. Amen. And we're going to speak some things over your life that you need. Amen. Let's raise our hands as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, so much for your word. Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. And I know you want to speak to us today. I pray that we would have open and receptive hearts. You would show us what we need to see. Tell us what we need to hear. And Lord, if we're wrong, let us shoot our pride and say, you know what? I'm wrong. Help us change, God. Let's not let pride keep us out of the promised land. We thank you, Lord, that you are good and we trust you in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? All right, all right, so we're talking about four things today about how you need to learn to fight the battle, okay? So number one is this, you need to know your goal, know your goal, and there's a lot of people, there's probably a lot of people sitting here today that if they were to be honest, they have no goals in life. Don't raise your hand if that's you, <laughs> but there's a lot of people that have no goals. And I'm going to tell you, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. I mean, you're just like, if anything good happens to you, you're like, oh, it's always a surprise. And, and, and uh, you know, on, on one hand, if you have no goals, anything good that happens is just an unexpected blessing. And you're like, oh, wow, look, I found a $2 bill. That's, you know, wow, this is, a, what a day. And listen, that's cool, but, but you need to have some goals. You'll never know if you're winning in life if you've never set any goals. And I'm not, you know, this can be natural stuff. It can be spiritual stuff. And I'm not, this is not a motivational speech. This is not some, you know, psychology. I'm just being honest. You 
need to have some goals in life and some things that you're believing God for. I love the story of blind Bartimaeus because he's down there beside the road. He's yelling and screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody's like, man, shut up. We can't even hear what Jesus and, and, and Bartimaeus is just shouting, Jesus, son of David. And so it's very obvious that the man is blind. And so Jesus stops everything and comes up to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? And so we know, who knows, Jesus had the power to heal the blind right there. I mean, he had it. So a miracle was getting ready to take place. But Jesus was going to have Bartimaeus at least do his part too and identify what his goal was. And so what, what's your goal out of this, Bartimaeus? What is it that you actually want to happen here? And he could have said all sorts of things, right? He could have said, you know, I want a better spot beside the road to beg. All the other guys get the best spots by the time I get here every morning. Uh, or he could have said, I want a bigger cup to collect change in. He could have said anything. But Jesus wanted to know, what's your goal, Bartimaeus? What is it that you actually are believing God for, Bartimaeus? And he says, Rabbi, I want to see And so Jesus, he wants to do big things in your life, but what is it you're believing God for? Oh, nothing in particular. I don't know. That's exactly what you'll get. Nothing in particular. You need to be releasing your faith and stretching your faith for something. You need to have some goals if you, because you know, you're in a fight, right? There's an enemy, and, and there, it's a real thing, but if you're just wandering around aimlessly through life, you don't even know what side is up. You don't even know what day it is. Listen, that is not a successful Christian. That's not a successful life. You need to get some goals. When God used Moses to deliver the children of Israel, the promise and the goal was the promised land. He didn't just have Moses go in and let my people go, and then, okay, well, they can go. And, I mean, you know the full story. Ten plagues later, they finally make it out and, and all this stuff. But, but check it out. God had a goal in mind for their deliverance. He didn't just want them to leave Egypt and then, okay, off you go. Just wander around and go make something of yourselves. God had a goal. It was a place that we refer to as the promised land. And that day, it was known as Canaan because it's where the Canaanites lived. In 2021, we know that place as Israel, the exact same plot of land that has always belonged to the Jewish people. But I want to show you something here in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. So as you are winning the fight in life, as you are winning the battle, you need some goals. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And I'm just saying you're not going to be a very successful person. So Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Amen. Who's having a good time today? Amen. I am glad to be in the house of the Lord. It is the best place that we could be on a Sunday morning. And it feels a lot cooler than my house does right now. So I'm okay with this. <laughs> Woo! I love swamp coolers, but come on. Sometimes they can only go so far. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8. And so here we have... Moses, this is during the burning bush experience. God is appearing to him. God is talking to him and giving him instructions. But look at this. He says, so I have come down to rescue them, meaning the children of Israel, from the power of the Egyptians 
and lead them out of Egypt and just let them go on their own from there. No, it doesn't say that. And lead them into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. There was parasites there too I read about, but they're, you know, they took care of that, right? So anyway, but praise God. So God had a specific place for them to go. Do you notice that? They didn't just leave Egypt. There was a goal in mind. And I believe that God has a promised land for every Christian. I'm not just referring to a geographical location, but I'm referring to being in the perfect will of God. And as we'll see, that even in the perfect will of God, there's still battles to face and giants to fight. There will never be a point in time on this earth where there's not an enemy. You will always have an enemy. You will have battles to fight. You'll have weapons formed against you, but we claim they won't prosper, right? And so until we get to heaven, we live in this real world. Now, thank God that I don't have to be overcome by this world. Amen? I mean, so you go to some places, they'll preach to you, yeah, until we get to heaven, there will always be a fight. Period. That's it. There's always going to, and I'm not saying that there's just always going to be a fight. I'm going to say that there's always going to be fights down here, but thank God you can always win those fights through Christ Jesus. Amen? I believe that, and I believe that, that even though there's a battle, the battle is the Lord's, and if I show up and God shows up, we win and we take the giant down. So number one, know your goal. Number two, know your role. Know your role and shut your mouth. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Some of you got that. A few of you got that. My wrestling friends are out of town today. Lawrence, you got that. All right. Thank you. All right. So n- number one, know your goal. Number two, know your role. And something that Ray Bench, I was listening to him, Reverend Ray, uh, he said this, there's a side to every miracle that the man has to provide because God doesn't. The man has to fortify the will to stay where God put him. The man has to show up every day for prayer. God doesn't do that for you. Do you see this? That in every situation, you have a role to play. God's not going to just get you out of bed every day. I've got to do that, right? And you know me, I'm a firm believer in waking your behind up early and, and getting out there and praying and seeking God for your day. Smith Wigglesworth, okay, famous preacher way back in the day. This is back when they had milkmen and stuff like that. He said, if I wake up and I hear the milkman already out making his deliveries, I get out of bed and I repent for he's more fervent about serving his God than I am about serving my God. Wow. You know, if I, so there's been a few mornings, hey, I hear the trash truck out there picking up trash before I get up. I'm like, oh God, no. Listen, why? Because it's serious business, man. God's not going to get you out of bed every day, put a Bible in your hands, put a cup of coffee in your other hand, and say, here you go, my child, now you can seek me. Amen. No, you're going to have to do some seeking on your end. You're going to have to get serious about it on your end. And I get real tired of just you know, and I don't do it so much anymore, but just people that they want to be used by God one day, then the next week they don't even want to go to church. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I can't shake you and make you want to serve God. Just do it or don't, right? Get in or get out. But, but that's between you and God. But you're going to have to take 
some responsibility for your own life. And you're going to have to take some responsibility for your own breakthrough. You will have some sort of role to play in securing the victory for your life. Amen? You're going to have some sort of a role to play in it. Jesus will always provide the power and always do his part every single time. But he's going to ask something out of you too. Amen? Noah had to build the ark. God didn't just straight up build it for him. I mean, God made the animals come. He didn't have to go and and round them up. God caused the, the flood to come. God did all that stuff. But Noah had to go build that dang thing. Abraham had to believe against all odds. I mean, you're like, well, all Abraham had to do was believe. You know how hard it probably is to believe to have children when you're 100 years old and your wife is 90 and you've never been able to have kids? That was some hardcore faith that God required of Abraham. Moses had to face Pharaoh face to face. He had to hold his staff out against the Red Sea. David had to show up with some rocks and his sling. They had to do their part. Now, you're going to have a specific role to play. I can tell you some of the things that are your part to play in receiving your miracle and winning the breakthrough. Uh, For one, you're going to have to read your Bible every day. God's not going to read it for you. Thank you. He wrote it. He did his part. He wrote it for you. He preserved it through thousands of years of people trying to burn it and erase it and get rid of it. God delivered the Bible to you. You're going to have to read it for yourself. Amen? Uh, 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 You're going to have to pray for yourself. God's not going to do the praying part for you too. He'll answer the prayers, but you're going to have to make the request known to God. You're going to have to do the praying. Uh, how about this? You're going to have to go to church for yourself. God's not, God's here. Amen. God comes to church. God's here. He believes in church, but he's not going to go there for you. You're going to have to do it yourself. These are just basic elementary Christian things, but they're things that you have to do if you're going to start winning some battles. And so I'm going to say this, quit looking for someone else to do their part and your part too. I'm going to say that one more time because I think that's a heavy one. Listen, quit looking for someone else to do their part and your part too. That's called being lazy. Thank you for your enthusiasm. But I come on, listen. I feel that. I feel that. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, that's called being lazy. There's a lot of people in the world today that want you to go to work so they can get a free paycheck too, right? And I don't, I'm not afraid of talking about that, but... But, you know, there's a lot of people that they're relying on you to go to Fort Irwin every day and bust your behind in the 120 degree sun because they need a free paycheck. They want you to do your part and their part. They want you to do your job and their job too. Amen. And so as sad as that is to say, there's a lot of people spiritually that are lazy too. Now you have every right to come into church every service and expect that whoever's preaching that day has been spending time in prayer and in study and in the word. We've been praying over your life. We've been standing in the gap. We've been trying our best to do our part as the pastor and as the preacher. You have every right to expect that of us, but also the preacher has every right to expect that you actually go out and do what you just said amen to. 
Don't be lazy and just think that, oh, we'll just go have Pastor and Mrs. Pastor and uh, Pastor Dave and Katie. What is, you know, I'm in a bad spot. I know that they've got faith. I'll just, I'll just go in and, and expect them to pray the devil off of me. Listen, we'll do the best that we can every time we can, and we love you. But there comes a point in time where you need to start reading the Bible for yourself. Quit just relying on the fact that you know, one of us is reading the Bible. You need to start doing some praying also and quit piggybacking off of everybody else's faith. You've got to grow and you've got to do your part too. Don't make somebody else do their job and your job too. You're going to have to step up to the plate and start doing some stuff, all right? Let's look at Joshua chapter 3, amen? Pray you're being encouraged today, hallelujah. Joshua chapter 3. So in the story of the Israelites, we've talked about Moses a little bit. Now you fast forward about 40 years from some of the stuff that we were looking at. And Moses, he died before they made it into the promised land. Uh, due to something, you know, he disobeyed God on something, so he didn't get to go in. And Joshua has taken over. And Joshua's going to lead the people into the promised land. And so you'd think, okay, they've made it 40 years through the desert, 40 years through the wilderness. God's probably going to deliver them in an air-conditioned limousine right there to the door of the promised land. They're going to roll out the red carpet, and these guys get to go on in. Even after all of that, even after God led them there, there was still some giants and some enemies that had to be defeated. And listen to me. God will straight up lead you where you need to go. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God will lead you to the places you need to go if you'll listen, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have to still kill some giants in the meantime. And so they get there, and uh, they get to Canaan land, and there's different cities in there, and it's beautifully set up, man. God had it all planned out. That Canaan was Israel today. Canaan was a beautiful land. There was there was wells already dug. There was houses already built. There was fields already planted. They didn't have to go in and dig wells. They didn't have to go in and, and plant new crops and cultivate the soil. They just had to go in and clear the people out. And so if you read the book of Joshua, they go from one town to the next, starting with Jericho and just wiping these people out and taking over the land that God gave to them. And another great thing was all these towns, they, they, were, they were walled cities. And, and it's kind of interesting that God took them to the land of Canaan because a lot of uh, countries back then, they had different towns, but they were all allies together. The land of Canaan, none of these, none of these people groups, none of these towns were allies with each other. They all hated each other. And so the people of Israel knew, okay, we'll go in and take over Jericho, but we know that the, 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 the Jebusites, they're not going to come in and help their neighbors fight. So we'll just wipe Jericho out. Then we'll go take out the Jebusites and the Hittites. They hate them already. They're not going to come have their back. And so they went from one town to the next, just cleaning house, wiping people out and taking over the land. And none of these people got along with each other anyway. They had no allies. It was beautiful. God set this whole thing up. But there was still a fight that had to take place. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. So they get there. They get there and they're at the famous Jordan River. And, uh, and so there's a river to cross. 
And it's a big deal when you've got a couple million people and you've got to cross a body of water. So Joshua chapter 3, and I love what the Lord says to Joshua here, verse 5. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves. He didn't say, come here, everybody, let me purify you. Let me, let me make sure you're right with God, everybody. No, he said, every single one of you, purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. God was fixing to do a miracle the very next day. But their role to play was to purify themselves and sanctify themselves, I believe the King James says, before the miracle took place. They had to do this. And so what does that mean to us? You need to purify yourselves today. If you need to repent, repent. If you need to, you need to ask forgiveness, do it. You need to pray, do it. Purify yourselves Get yourself ready for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. God is wanting to do big things in your life, but you have a role to play. Now look at verses 15 and 16. Here's the crossing of the, here's a miracle. This is an incredible miracle. Joshua 3 verse 15. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. And so we're not talking about just some little tiny stream or creek here the river was raging it was overflowing its banks but as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called adam which is near zarathan and the water below that point flowed onto the dead sea until the river bed was dry then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. God stopped the waters of the Jordan River. And all these people, God made them go through the Red Sea 40 years earlier. And here they are now crossing the Jordan River on dry ground during the most uh, raging part of the year for the river. God brought them through. But what did they have to do first? They had to purify themselves. They had to get ready they had a role to play and in your battle in your miracle you'll have a role to play you need to find out what it is know your goal know your role number three know your enemy know your enemy you have an enemy whether you know it or not and it's not a person when i say know your enemy some of you are like oh i know who she is i work with her I live with her. I'm married to the jerk. I know my enemy. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. No, stop it. People are not the enemy. And that's why so many people and so many Christians are losing in life. They're fighting the wrong enemy. Amen? What is Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not flesh and blood. It says against principalities and powers of the unseen world. But I want to show you something here. 1 Peter chapter 5. Can we look at 1 Peter 5? You still with me today? Amen. All right. Hey, come back next week. We'll be yelling and screaming and spitting and shouting and running, I promise. <laughs> we'll be more, more loud and rowdy next week. But I want, you to, I want you to see some things today that I believe that the Lord wants you to see because... It takes more than just wanting a breakthrough. 
you're going to have to do your part. First Peter 5, we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. And it tells us a little bit something here about you have an enemy. Verse 8, stay alert. I mean, we could just stop and preach on that for a while. Stay alert. Because there's a lot of Christians that there's a battle going on around them and they're oblivious. I want to, you know, slap them in the face. Look alive. Come on. Wake up. Stay alert. There's things going on right now. And if you are just sleeping, if you're just, you don't know what's going on, no wonder you're not winning any victories. A big part of winning the battle is you at least need to be awake during the battle. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, your husband, your boss, the president. He's your enemy. No. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. I love this. And be strong in your faith. Remember your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of sufferings, the same testings uh, that you are. But listen, stand firm. Be strong in your faith. You need to know that there is an enemy out there. And this verse clearly spells out who the enemy is. Does it say, hey, look out, there's a great enemy, the devil. Run, 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 I say. No, stand your ground, stand firm, and be strong in your faith. As I was, I told you about reading some of these journal passages from my, my dad, and, and when we were in that bad spot, it's undeniable that the devil had certainly worked through some people to bring harm to our life. And sometimes the devil can use people to bring harm into your life, right? I mean, that's, and if you're an immature Christian, you'll just get mad at the person and want to seek revenge on them. And one thing that I always try to remind people is revenge is not something that we practice on our planet, right? To quote Buzz from Toy Story 1. But listen, revenge is not something that we do in the heavenly kingdom. I don't seek revenge on anybody. I do, I am aware that especially people that are not Christians and even people that profess to be Christians, but they're not submitted to God, the devil can work through them to bring harm into your life. They'll, they'll just run their mouth. They'll say things. They'll do things. The darkness in them does not like the light that is in you. But I am mature enough now to realize that I don't hate that person I attack the devil that's working through that person. I bind the devil from working through them in the name of Jesus. And so as I'm reading this, you know, this, uh, this journal, it surprised me that there was no mention made of even the people that had really done some things to drive some spears and some stab us in the back and do some things to us. And all that my dad wrote about in this was going after the devil attacking the devil, and winning this thing spiritually. And if you're going to win your battle, you've got to know who the enemy is. 
if you're over here just firing shots in that direction because you heard noise over there, the devil's right back over here just stabbing you and throwing things, and you're not even looking in the right direction. A mature Christian realizes, oh, that's just a bunch of noise. I'm going to the source of it right here. I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You have no authority anymore to work in this situation. When I worked at FedEx when I was, uh, I guess, 18, I I proposed to Katie. She was still in high school. I had graduated. I proposed to her in February of 2004. Okay, so I had already graduated. We were both 18, but I got this job working at FedEx in Indianapolis. And I was a young guy, you know, obviously, young squirt. And I was very, I've just always, I don't go out with a megaphone and, you know, scream the gospel in your face. But if you're a Christian, people are going to pick up on that fact, right? Even if you're not out there screaming the gospel in their face. And so I just challenge you. It should not come as a shock to your co-workers when they find out that you're a Christian. Oh, you? Really? You? Wow, I never knew it. They should, they should know it whether you've ever mentioned it or not. And so if people don't know you're a Christian, I don't know what else to say, but shame on you. They should know that you belong to Jesus Christ. Amen? Because you know about their favorite sports team because they talk about it. You know about their favorite wrestler or fighter or their favorite car because they talk about it. And people ought to know that you're a Christian because you should talk about what you love. And so, anyway, I, I, I'm working at FedEx. And there's this one guy that, for, you know, I've never been rude to anybody or, you know, thrown my stuff in people's face. But this guy, the devil worked through him, man. He just nonstop harassed me every day, made fun of me for my beliefs. And, oh, let me guess what David's doing tonight, uh, going to a prayer meeting. Yes, actually. Do you want to join me? And, and just nonstop every day. And he thought well, his biggest joke, his biggest thing he thought was hilarious was, I'm 18. I'm going to get married. And I've never lived with this girl in my life. We've never been intimate together. And he just told everybody at FedEx about what a fool I am, that I'm going to marry a girl I've never even been with. And, and how we've never, he thought that was the biggest joke. And it started to really bother me. I'm like, shut up, man. And so every day going to work, you know, I'm like, oh, I know he's going to start in as soon as I get there. Can't stand this guy, man. I, I can't stand this guy. And then he'd come in and, and he had come and he, I, he wasn't a church goer, but he's like, you know, I'm a member of the Roman Catholic church is what he would tell me. I'm not putting on Catholics. This is just what this guy did. You know, we're the oldest church in the world. So I'm going to put that in your pipe and smoke it. What do you think about that? Like, what is that? Shut up. And so every day, just nonstop in front of everybody. And finally, it dawned on me one day, John's not my problem. John's not my enemy. But he is obviously so unsubmitted to God that the devil can just work right through him to try to mess up my day every day. And so I started on my way into work. I bind the devil in the name of Jesus from speaking through that man anymore. I claim right now victory that not only is he going to stop talking all that mess, but me and him are going to become friends in the name of Jesus. And I did this for, I don't know, I don't know how long, maybe a week or two. And I promise you, the Lord is my witness. There was a light switch turned on. It changed 
instantly, this man no longer ever again made fun of me, gave me a hard time. In fact, he stood up for me, and we became very good friends by the time that I left there and moved on to, uh, on to the next place. And I realized, though, if I was still sitting there the whole time, man, I can't stand this guy. What a punk. Who does he? If I had fought against him, it never would have changed. But I fought through the devil that was working through him, and it changed. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. So number one, know your goal. Number two, know your role. Number three, know your enemy. Number four, know your God. You better know your God. Oh, man, I know, I know, I know, I know. You better know because a lot of people say that. And then Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whenever you're squeezed, we find out what was really in the sponge that whole time, Right? And in your life, just like, you know, you could have a sponge there and, and you just clean up a bunch of Kool-Aid or something like that. And you don't even know what's in it. You squeeze it. Oh, that's what's in there. As a person, as a Christian, when the pressure comes and squeezes you, whatever starts coming out of your mouth, that's what was really in there. When things get tough, if, oh my gosh, in the name of Jesus, I declare victory right now. I say that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. If the word starts coming out, we know the word was in there. If the pressure comes and I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, my gosh. This is I've never seen trouble like this. Nobody knows this is a bad spot. If that's what comes out when you're squeezed, that's what was in there the whole time. And so I'm telling you today, don't just say, amen, I know God can do anything. Listen, you need to know your God and be confident in him. Let's look at Psalm 118. Psalm 118. It's key going into any battle to know who's on your side and know who's against you. So Psalm 118. I'm going to read this in the English Standard Version, the ESV. I'll usually, uh, maybe the first time I've used this translation in a sermon, but puts it really well. Psalm 118, verses 6 through 7. And so it says this to us, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. Amen? And so step one, hey, you better know the Lord is on your side. If you don't even have that revelation yet, you're not going to win. That's like step number one. You better know that God is on your side. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You don't got to be afraid of people anymore when you know that God is on your side. Verse 7, the Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. And so I love the confidence. I love the attitude the psalmist has in this right here. He's like, I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. I love what Paul said. You can write this down, Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's the New Testament version of this. If God is for us, who cares who's against us? We're going to win. But you need to get this revelation in your heart, you need to know your God. 
And someone may say, well, hey, I know it. I, I know my God. I know that God's on my side. But you don't know the trouble that I'm facing right now. And I'm going to tell you, okay, you may be facing trouble, but you must not know my God. Because if you knew, if you only knew, you would have a whole different attitude and outlook. You would be like the psalmist right there said, I'm going to look and triumph on those who hate me. God is on my side. The Lord is on my side. And so when you truly have the revelation that God's on your side, you approach every battle and situation from a place of advantage. Listen, when you know, when you know this, you will always see yourself as having the upper hand. Always. I never see myself as being underprivileged or, man, I just, I'm coming into this thing really with uh, this other, the, the enemy has the upper hand on this, the other side. When you know that God is on your side, you face every situation as, I've got the upper hand. I've got the upper hand. Why? Because God is on my side. And so people these days, they always talk about, you know, privilege and all that baloney and stuff. But I can tell you who's really privileged, anybody that's a child of God. You're privileged. You, well, I, we didn't grow up with much money. We, we didn't either. But guess what? Yes, we had privilege. We knew who we belonged to. We knew that God was on our side. We knew that we always overcome every situation. Well, yeah, but we grew up over here and we didn't have this. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter what you look like. If you're a child of God, you are privileged beyond any belief. You are privileged beyond anything that you can even comprehend or understand. You've got the upper hand. You have every advantage and every opportunity that you'll ever need if you're a child of God. Don't complain anymore about, well, we just never got anything handed to us. We just never. You are a child of God. You've got the keys to the kingdom. You have a covenant with the Almighty. You've got every advantage and privilege that you'll ever need. You just need to know what your role is in it, and you need to know your God. One last verse today, 1 John 4.4. 4. 1 John 4.4. 4. And uh, you, you should know this verse already, but, but if you don't know it, write it down. You need to know 1 John 4.4. 4. This is a wonderful New Testament verse for the Christian. Amen. Are you still glad you came to church today? 1 John 4.4. 4. And so we're talking about how you can win in battle. And you have a role to play in your victory. Jesus has all the power. You're not responsible for providing the power. You're responsible for showing up and providing some faith and some trust and some obedience. That's your responsibility. God's got the power. 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children. Who are you of? Who are you of? You're of God. Act like it little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. 
when you get the revelation, it changes your mentality. You have what I call the greater mentality. You always approach, you don't walk into a room with your head hanging low and I don't belong in here. All these people, they, you know, they, they're, they're better than I am there. And listen, I'm not saying as we, me, you, we are not greater than anybody or situation in this world, but greater is he who is in me and you than any situation, than any devil, than any curse that is in this world. I'm confident that we can win any fight, that we can win any battle, because I know the goal. I know my role. I know who the enemy is. I'm not stupid enough to think it's some person. And I know who my God is. And I know that he's on the inside of me. And he's greater than any situation or circumstance that I will ever face. And so to sum it all up today, I am just trying to get this point to you. That there will be victory in your life. There will be. God wants to do miracles. God wants to do wonderful things. But you're going to have to step up and handle your part of it too. There's the basic Christian things like praying, reading your Bible, going to church, the basics. But then God's going to have some specific things to your life too that he's going to tell you to do. And you're going to have to be responsible for doing those things. I can't do it for you. God's not going to do his part plus your part too. That's laziness on our end. You're going to have to step up and do your part too. And when we do, big things happen. Miracles happen. The supernatural happens. Giants fall and God gets the glory. Can we get an amen today? All right, let's stand up together. Praise God. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. God is good to us. He is good to us. He wants to pour out his blessing on us. Amen. Well, praise God. We're going to sing some worship songs here as we close out today. But I'm going to invite our altar team to come on up, our prayer team. And I'm so grateful that over the last month or two, we've been able to open up our altars again and, and close out each service with giving you the opportunity to receive prayer if you need it. And so if you're here and you need prayer for anything, Come on up to anybody up here. We'd love to lay hands on you and pray. But if not, why don't you spend a few minutes and thank God. Worship God. Sing this song together and let God speak to you. Amen. Come on up if you need it. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. But when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. The God I serve knows only how to triumph But my God will never fail I know my God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. 
I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how this story ends. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory.
you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. And I'm gonna see her gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Glory to God. What that awesome message Pastor Dave had, that was so good. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think about what I'm going to be teaching on tonight, and this is not for the ones that always come on Sunday nights, but I'm going to say this is for the ones that don't normally come on Sunday nights. Or if you're planning on not coming uh, on Sunday night. What, I, what I'm going to teach tonight, I, did, I didn't realize that he was teaching, but it's what I've lived through for all my Christian life and how I got from point minus zero in 2005 to where we got to here we are to really prosper and succeed in life and there's a story in the bible that you may have heard may have not heard but anyway long story short prophet named elijah walking in the blessing of god walking in the will of god and there was a famine coming across the land and a drought where people were starving to death died of thirst etc and god told this man of god said i want you to get out of this river you get down there you'll have all the water you need and I'm going to have the ravens bring food to you every day. And he was down there in the will of God. And then the Bible says the brook dried up. And then God said, I've got some new instructions. I want you to go up to this place here. There's a willow woman. And she's dying. You go there. And this women woman, willow woman that's dying of hunger, she's going to supply your needs. How is a, how's a preacher, especially in modern times, going to look to some widow woman to take care of him that has nothing. Man, you talk about some social media outrage. But God told him where to go. And so when he got there, that widow woman and her son's needs were met through that whole famine. And so was the man of God's. But the thing was, if he had stayed at the river where he used to get blessed at, he'd have died too. God said, the blessing used to be here, but it's not here anymore. Got another place now. And so it took faith to go to a place can you imagine some old woman on Social Security with nothing? And be going up there, hey, you know what? I'm a word of faith preacher, and God told me to tell you, use your Social Security to take care of me too. Wow. It took faith all the way around. And so what I'm going to talk about tonight is how you, and we're talking about prayer, we're going to teach on prayer, how you can see 
and know the plan of God for this season of your life and then how to see it fulfilled. And so I'm just thinking right now with the uncertainty in all the world right now, we're in the end times. And that Joshua chapter 3, Joshua chapter 1 that Pastor Dave just looked at, Joshua told those people, we've never been this way before. We have to keep our eyes on Jehovah because we've never been this way before. There's no amount of books or college professors or anybody else can tell you what to do right now. Everybody's an expert, but everybody knows nothing. Jesus knows it all. He knows your future right now. He knows your children, your grandchildren. He knows you right now. But I'll tell you one thing that I've learned out of over four decades of experience. I know from the Word of God how to pray to know the plan of God. And then I know from the Word of God how to not only know the plan, but what to do for it to come to pass in our life. I wish some of you sometimes, Dave, Pastor Dave, let's have a pictorial big blue. Went from a thriving TV ministry that we affected judges and mayors, high-ranking police officers, county sheriff, and everybody else to where we become the laughing stock of the county. We got hit so bad, so low. But then God raised it up, and he said, the brook in Indiana dried up. Now I want you to go to the church in California that's really in serious trouble, too, like the Willow Woman. Was this church in trouble when we got here, guys? He said, I want you to go there. He said, I'm going to bless you and this church when you get there. So we got here, followed the plan of God. So I'm telling you right now, if you're in a place in life, tonight choose to come to this, war, not warm, but this air-conditioned building to hear the word of God and get faith in your heart, understanding your mind, and know what to do for the next phase of your life. And I promise you, based upon the word of God and proven experience, we know how to find out what to do next, and we know how to get the results. Amen. So do your best to be here tonight, especially if you need help to understand. Amen. Pastor Dave, I'll let you go ahead and do the conviction. All right, very good. So be here tonight. We're going to have another good time. It's always a good time here in the Word of God. Amen. It's always a good time being with God's people. Remind you, if you want to grab one of the T-shirts, go sign up uh, right after service and grab uh, grab your uh Get your name on the list because I'm going to order those tomorrow and we want to make sure everybody gets one that wants one and that's it. All right. So let's go ahead and close in prayer. Then we will say our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, that your word went out today and you said that your word, it always accomplishes everything that you send it forth to do. It never returns unto you void. So we thank you, Father, that your word is working in our hearts today and changing us and doing everything it needs to do in us, God. I pray that you'll use us the rest of this day and this week to be the light of the world to Barstow and everywhere else that we are. We thank you, Lord, for victory, success in everything we do. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. 
Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. See you tonight.